The Sloss Sports Show on Anchor.fm, weekly episodes highlighting and breaking down the biggest stories across sports. Make sure to keep up with the latest episodes and breaking news on Twitter by following at Sloss Sports Show and keep up to date with the latest breaking news around the NFL. The official site of the show, knoble87.wixsite.com slash Sloss Sports Report. And now, here's your host, Cole Noble. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Slaw Sports Show. I'm your host, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw. Finally back live here for the Slaw Sports Show on WSOEA 89.3. And it's good to be back live, uh, back in the studio for my show. Uh, For those who don't know, the Slaw Sports Show is a weekly sports podcast breaking down all things um, in the world of sports. In today's episode, we're mainly going to be focusing on the NFL because we had a wild week in the NFL, and we'll get into it. Um, but the Slaw Sports Show, uh, we got it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, the Slaw Sports Show can be found. So check us out and check out some of our previous episodes. And looking forward up ahead every Friday from 10 to 11 p.m., the Slaw Sports Show will be live and then posted immediately next the next Saturday morning. So we're glad to be back in the studio today, back on the Slaw Sports Show. And like I said, today's episode is going to be very NFL heavy. Uh, we, got a lot, we got a lot to talk about just from today even. Uh, with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, they got a, a new one-year extension worked out. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, he worked out a new deal, restructuring, saving some money with the Kansas City Chiefs. And Cam Newton got a new deal as well with the New England Patriots. But before we get into that, those who know about the Slaw Sports Show know know about what we start off with uh, to begin our episodes, and that is Slaw's main card pick'em of the week, picking the UFC main card fight for Saturday nights. Uh, we started it back, I believe, three episodes ago, so it's been three weeks since we began this new segment uh, to the episode or to the shows. Um, so we have a four and two record. Since beginning this last weekend, we had a three-way main card event. Um, you know, Adesanya was the main card of that one, but he ended up uh, giving us our second loss uh, for Slaw's main card, pick him of the week. But for tomorrow's main card for the UFC fight night, we got Leon Edwards taking on Bilal Muhammad. And I think this is going to be a great fight. Um, but as always, what we do is we break down both fighters and then give our pick of what we think will happen in this fight. So we're going to begin with Leon Edwards. Um, Right now he's set as the favorite at negative 260 odds um, for this fight against Bilal Muhammad. But Edwards comes into this fight with an 18-3 record in the UFC. And right now he's on an eight-fight win streak. And... The problem with that eight win or problem with his record, uh, you know, the eight game or eight fight win streak he's been on right now, he hasn't had a win against a top ten fighter in the welterweight class yet. Uh, so you know, a lot of asterisks, and you know, for a guy like Leon Edwards who's potentially wanting to go up and have a potential title fight against Kamaru Usman, uh, the reigning welterweight title holder, it's hard for him to really get an advantage here with no fighters. Uh, going against them that are inside the top 10, and that's going to continue in this one um, with Baal Muhammad. Um, but you look back, uh, you know, some of his fights, really he's been on this 8-0 uh, win streak since his loss to Kamaru Usman, who, like I said, is the reigning title holder. 
but that was back in 2015. Uh, so that was the last time that uh, Leon Edwards has actually taken a loss in the UFC. But the problem is his last win came against Rafael Dos Anjos back in July of 2019. It's been 19 months since Leon Edwards has been in the octagon. So, it's, you know, recency is not on his side in terms of how long it's been since he's had a fight. What is on his side, of course, is that win streak. And, you know, we continue to break down Edwards. Uh, you, you know, you look at some of the stats he's had in these, um, you know, 18, 18 and 3 record he's had in his career. Um, those 18 wins, six of his wins have been by knockout or TKO. Three of them have been by submission, and nine of them have been by the decision. So, you know, right now, Leon Edwards, he's had a lot of versatility, three submissions, nine decisions, six, six knockouts. Uh, but right now, he's currently the third-ranked fighter in the welterweight division. So a win against Muhammad will give him a straight line toward a title fight against Kamaru Usman. So a lot of stipulation for him. But now we turn the page to look at Bilal Muhammad. And what this means for him in this fight is potentially the chance now to make a name for himself. A guy whose nickname is Remember the Name obviously wants to find a way to make his name known. And he can do that tomorrow night. Being the plus 220 underdog, if he can take down uh, Leon Edwards, he has a real chance here um, to potentially start getting his name known and uh, have a chance to go here on a title run in the welterweight division. But Muhammad has an 18-3 and record as well in the UFC, and he has won four straight UFC fights, and eight of the last nine fights he's been in, he has won. Um, and then, you know, his last win came against Diego Lima. Um, it was a unanimous decision. Um but a lot more recent than what we saw for Leon Edwards. Muhammad has, in that time, fought all four of his four straight wins since Leon Edwards has been in the octagon. Muhammad's, of course, got the four straight wins. So recency is on the side of Bilal Muhammad in this fight. And you look at uh, his stats, what he's done in those uh, 21 games, or excuse me, 21 fights, four knockouts, only one submission, and 13 of his wins came by the decision. Uh, so it's looking like probably the trend here is that this fight also will go uh, go the distance and go to the decision with Muhammad and Edwards. Um, but again, another stat I think is a key stat for Blau Muhammad is the fact that he has an 84% takedown defense. So this is going to be a very much stand-up fight between Leon Edwards and Blau Muhammad tomorrow night. So now we look at my pick. Um, again, 4-2 and two is my record in Slaw's pick of the week for the UFC main card fight. Um, so in this one, I already said it's going to go down to the decision. It's going to be a big stand-up fight, just like we saw last week um, with the you know the main card and that one as well. I think it's going to be a stand-up fight that's going to go all the way to the decision. But I think the level of play in stand-up is going to give the edge to Leon Edwards in this fight. So I'm taking Leon Edwards. I'm taking the favorite um, to go... To the decision and win unanimous decision against Bilal Muhammad in tomorrow night's fight. I just think what Edwards can do when he lands that first punch and he startles Bilal Muhammad, and you know what he's done, you know in his career-wise, whenever he lands that first punch and stuns his opponent, he riles in more after more and just piles them up while they're de- while they're deteriorated. So I think that will happen again tomorrow night, and I think Leon Edwards is going to take down Bilal Muhammad in the decision and get his chance for a title fight. So that's Slaw's main card, pick him of the week. Again, a 4-2 and two record going into tomorrow. 
Uh, so hopefully we can improve to five and two with my boy Leon Edwards uh, taking down Bilal Muhammad by decision and ultimately going the distance. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. We are going to switch over to the NFL for the remainder of today's episode. And like I said, we've got a lot to talk about. And we're going to start with the headlines that come out that came out today. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back here on the Slaw Sports Show. And welcome back to the Slaw Sports Show. Again, I'm your host, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw. And we've given our main card pick of the week for UFC Fight Night tomorrow night with Leon Edwards winning by the decision against Bilal Muhammad. And now we're switching to the NFL uh, for the remainder of today's episode because we got a lot to talk about. In my opinion, this week is the busiest week in the entire NFL, you know, not even the offseason, but the entire year. I think that, you know, what we've seen is what we've seen this week has been the craziest year in the NFL because it was massacre week. We had the franchise tag deadline coming in at Wednesday at 4 p.m., Next week, we got the league, uh, the new league year starting at 4 p.m. on Wednesday. So there's a lot that's going on, and we're going to start with the headlines that came out you know, today, and then we'll backtrack and then preview what's to come. So today, the first news came out this morning around 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern time, and that was Cam Newton re-signing with the New England Patriots. Uh, you know, the finalized deal was a one-year close to $14 million. Uh, but actually, the final reports say that it's basically going to be a five a five million dollar deal on the one year deal for Cam Newton, and you know the rest of it's basically going to be guarantees and, of course, incentives. So the incentives is what's going to get that up to the fourteen million dollars um, after you know you tag on the guaranteed to the five million dollars. So I think it's a very backup level deal for Cam Newton. Um, it's Pretty much what I expected to see him get in free agency this year. I didn't think it was going to come from the New England Patriots. Uh, based on what we saw last season, you know, his eight touchdowns to 10 interceptions, uh, you know, passing. Granted, he had a let or granted, he had 12 rushing touchdowns on the ground, but still, I don't think his performance last season for the Patriots really earned him an extension to come back with the team. I really expected Cam Newton to. Go test the market again uh, for the second time in his career and potentially land somewhere, say, Chicago um, in free agency. But at the same time, when this came out, this when this news came out this morning, I, I can see both sides of the story. I can see how Cam Newton came back with the Patriots. Bill Belichick talked highly about Cam Newton, said he'd love to run it back with him. And, of course, Cam Newton, all the talk about um, how, you know, he enjoyed Bill Belichick. He's, you know, feels like he's misrepresented and you know how he is as a character um you know what we see in the media besides what we saw or what cam newton saw in the locker room throughout this past season so he's going to come back with the patriots and it's going to be a very different patriots team this year in new england despite the fact cam newton's returning at the at the helm at quarterback uh potentially being the starter going forward uh for this season but on defense they're getting back patrick chung and donta hightower two key pieces of their defense that many people forgot about weren't there last season. Both of them opted out of the season due to COVID-19 concerns. They're set to return this season on defense. And the Patriots are loaded with capital right now. They're loaded with uh, salary cap going into the start of the new league year next week when they can you know, potentially start bringing in some big-name free agents. They already traded and got offensive tackle Trent Brown from uh, the Las Vegas Raiders reuniting him. Uh, with New England 
So the Patriots are already making moves here to kind of try to revamp their roster, and they're put in a good position to do so. Once the new league year begins on Wednesday, they can potentially start bringing in some guys at wide receiver, say a Will Fuller or Kenny Galladay, to give Cam Newton that number one receiver he lacked last year. Um, but I think running back, they'll be all right with Damian Harris and Sonny Michelle, have Michelle come back and being fully healthy. But, you know, all things considered, I think this was a good deal. Um, I said it's a very backup level deal, and it's what I expected for Cam Newton. And the interesting thing with New England is that league sources are still saying that they're in the market potentially to still go after a quarterback um, during the NFL draft. And I think that's going to be very exciting to see as well as if they can get a deal done um, or get something done in the draft to bring in somebody in the later couple of rounds um, that could come in and, you know, Bill Belichick and groom to potentially be the guy going forward after Cam Newton. But again, I think it was a good deal for both sides. Cam Newton's off the market, returning to the New England Patriots, and now gets a full offseason to work with offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels to fix uh, what kind of happened there toward the tail end of the season with his performance. And then immediately after, pretty much 30 minutes after that news broke, the guy that usually is the, you know, for years past has been the headline in New England, Tom Brady, who is now in Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers, he re-signed, or not re-signed, he got a new contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's technically a four-year deal, uh, but the last three are void years, so it's technically a one-year extension. And what that means is Tom Brady's salary will now be distributed over the next five years. Uh, when you know Last offseason, he signed a two-year deal. It's picking, you know, piggybacking right up off of that and then adding four, but technically he's only going to be playing on that one-year extension with you know, the potential to void the final three. So what this means is Tom Brady's salary is now going to pretty much get distributed um, throughout those five years. And it's going to help tremendously with the Buccaneers salary cap going forward in the next couple of years, especially right now, because uh, this move at the moment has saved the Tampa Bay Buccaneers $19 million for their 2021 cap space. So now Tampa Bay is in the market to potentially re-sign Shaq Barrett at defensive end, potentially bring back Leonard Fournette at running back, potentially bring back Antonio Brown at wide receiver, Rob Gronkowski at tight end. Um, you know, you got Nadamakin Sue at defensive tackle. All these guys now can come back and they can run it back for another year in Tampa Bay with TB12. And in my opinion, we've seen this so many times with Tom Brady in New England. It is the most selfless act in the National Football League is taking this pay cut in order to bring back your your guys onto your team and make another run at a Super Bowl. And, you know, I don't know why we don't see this more often from quarterbacks around the around the National Football League. Um, but, you know, we always see it with Tom Brady, always taking this pay cut and allowing the team to have some leverage to get the guys they want to. And even a guy like Chris Godwin, who they franchise tagged, and we'll get into later, uh, but they franchise tagged him with the idea of hopefully re-signing him to a long-term deal, even that now can get done because of what Tom Brady did uh, with this new contract he signed this morning with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then conveniently enough, later in the day, we saw the second, or excuse me, the third news with the third quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, doing the same exact thing as Tom Brady, restructuring his deal to save $17 million in cap space. The Kansas City Chiefs originally were $4.4 million over the cap, and now they are below it thanks to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so again, 
I want to see this more from quarterbacks in the National Football League. I want to see them taking this pay cut and really showing the team that they want to do whatever they can to help get their roster over the hump to potentially compete for a Super Bowl. And we're seeing it from you know the top two quarterbacks in the NFL last year, the two Super Bowl quarterbacks that went head-to-head are the two now in the offseason that take the pay cuts in order to you know reestablish their Super Bowl roster from the year before. So I think that's just really eye-opening to me that both of those got done today um you know hopefully i think that you know put some perspective on it and people um can understand how much you know doing something like this really means to your team and to your roster especially you know this offseason with the salary cap going down to 182.5 million dollars um you know i think it's like 15 below what it traditionally is set at because you know of no fans in the stadium last season everyone knew that the salary cap was going to take a hit and quarterbacks restructuring like Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes did today is what helps reestablish Super Bowl winning rosters. And of course, you know, I keep saying it, but I want to see more quarterbacks start to do this. And especially Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, I'm just going to throw my bias. I am a Packers fan. Um, just put that out there. But I want to see Aaron Rodgers do this as well. Going into this season, he's set at a $37 million uh, cap hit on the Green Bay Packers starting on Wednesday. And I'm hoping the Packers and Aaron Rodgers can work something out to where they can lower that cap hit like we saw Mahomes and like we saw Brady do today in order for the Packers to get below the cap and potentially bring in some free some free agent signings next week. Um, but, I mean, of course, there's some stipulations there of whether or not the Packers will give Aaron Rodgers, you know, knock the salary off and make it guaranteed. That's going to hinder potentially the Packers moving on from Aaron Rodgers if they ever choose to do so in the next, you know, two to three years. But end of the day, I think Mahomes and Brady, they keep doing what they do every offseason. And, you know, I was glad to see those deals done today. Michael Thomas also restructured today, wide receiver from the New Orleans Saints. He freed up $8.7 million for New Orleans. They're still in cap purgatory. They're not, you know, they don't have the worst cap situation right now. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams have actually uh, gone below them with the Saints doing all of the massacre week cuts that they've done the past week we'll get into later on. Uh, but Michael Thomas freed up more space trying to help out the Saints a little bit more with their cap situation. So now let's go into, you know, just backtrack. Look at this crazy week we saw, you know, go all the way back to the beginning of the week starting with Dak Prescott, because that's the first headline of the week was Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys finally agreeing to his contract extension, giving him a four-year, $160 million deal with $126 million guaranteed. Crazy signing bonuses, crazy incentives, crazy salary you know, average per year. Some of it is even record-breaking numbers at the quarterback position. And then after that fourth year, um, he's going to have a void uh, for what would potentially be the fifth year uh, to give Dak Prescott the potential, um, you know, after he turns 30 years old to test the new market again, um, either re-signing at that point with the Cowboys again or, you know, potentially entering into free agency uh, for the first time. But this deal with, the, with Dak and the Cowboys, I have issues with it. Um, my whole thing, if for those who have listened to the Slaw Sports Show in the past episodes, they know my my standpoint on this. But Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, I, it's just 
a relationship I don't see working. Um, there's been constant fights the last couple of years over this contract to begin with, and you know it's not that's you know the it's not the fighting that I have an issue with. The issue I have with these two sides is the fact that they've now paid 160 million dollars to Dak Prescott and locked that in over the next four years. And I've always said that with the with the Dallas Cowboys, they have more issues than just the quarterback position. Uh, they have issues on defense tremendously in the secondary at linebacker. And, you know, you know, at the corner at corners and safeties in the secondary linebackers their defense a lot like their entire defense pretty much can use some work. Um, you know, the only position I think they're really set on is wide receiver, obviously, with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb. But I just think that this roster had too many holes to just think that paying Dak Prescott is now going to make you that much better of a team to where you can return to the playoffs and potentially go on a Super Bowl run. I don't see that happening in the next four years with Dak Prescott. I do not see Dak Prescott going to a Super Bowl as a Dallas Cowboy because of what we just talked about with Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, taking the pay cuts in order to build your roster. How do you hurt your roster? Taking a $160 million deal over the next four years to where your team is now stuck and trapped in your contract over the next four years, and you can't build up the rest of your roster going forward. So I have issues with this. My standpoint on Dak Prescott and the Cowboys has always been uh, the Cowboys should have franchise tagged him and traded him away to the Seattle Seahawks with some first-round picks and get back Russell Wilson in return. That was my original hope for the offseason. But instead, Dak Prescott gets his long-term deal and will return with the Dallas Cowboys, whether I like it or not. Um, But that's just the situation we're dealing with. And then as the week continued, we saw more um, contract extensions as well uh, while we're on the subject. But we saw guys like Daryl Williams, uh, the right tackle for the Buffalo Bills, and also the Buffalo Bills re-signing their linebacker, Matt Milano. Who Matt Milano, I thought he was set to hit the free agent market, to be completely honest with you. I thought he was going to be a good name to watch out for uh, potentially going forward into the off- into free agency in terms of the linebackers available uh, you know, interior linebackers. Matt Milano, I thought, was going to be one of the top guys that teams would be really be interested in. But instead, the Bills were smart and brought him back on a four-year, four, four-year, $44 million deal. And then Daryl Williams, their right tackle, they brought him back as well on a three-year, $28.2 million deal. So I like this from the Buffalo Bills. I like them keeping two star pieces of their roster together um, going into next season, especially Daryl Williams. Um, that you know, a right tackle that really needs to protect that side uh, for quarterback Josh Allen, a guy who likes to move around, especially move to his right. Daryl Williams has been that anchor for him on the offensive line, so I'm glad they got him back and re-signed as well. And this is what we usually see from the Buffalo Bills: they like to re-sign their guys early, and but you know, before letting them walk into free agency and then trying to bring them back. Obviously, it's a lot harder to do so. Um, but again, just two more contracts we saw this past week, uh, or yeah, this past week, Daryl Williams and Matt Milano are also returning to the Buffalo Bills. And now we get to the bulk of what happened this week. Like this, what we just talked about wasn't even scratching the surface um, from what we saw this week. And it all started, of course, with the franchise tag deadline happening on ending on Wednesday at 4 p.m. Teams had until the deadline to offer and tag 
uh, potential free agents and bring them back on the one-year deal. And not only was the nine players, or basically ten with Dak Prescott, he technically got tagged and then signed. Um, But with the other nine, yes, they're the big focal points that we're going to hit on here, but also the notable no tags as well, the guys who didn't get franchise tags. And that's what I was most surprised about was the guys who didn't get tagged. Um, Let's start off with the nine players who did. And, of course, one of them happened Last week, I believe on Friday, or, th- or excuse me, Thursday, was Justin Simmons, the safety for the Denver Broncos. They got him back on his second uh, consecutive franchise tag, coming back being that leader of the secondary for the Denver Broncos. Justin Simmons is, in my opinion, one of the top three safeties in the National Football League, and I really hope Denver can work something out with a long-term deal with Simmons. They freed up a lot of space to do so. And I do not want to see him playing a second consecutive season on this franchise tag. So I hope something works out uh, going forward here with the Denver Broncos and Justin Simmons in order to make sure that he is their guy um, in the secondary going forward for the rest of his career. And then we get into this week. Um, So we're just going to start off with the rest of the eight uh, franchise tagged players. And we'll start, of course, um, we'll just start with Chris Godwin. We've already talked briefly about him um, when we talked about Brady's you know, restructure and new contract he got with the Buccaneers. But Chris Godwin, wide receiver for the Buccaneers, he got his franchise tag. I think that one was the surprising one for a lot of people. Um, he was looking like probably going to be the odd man out that would end up walking in free agency for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, and potentially get a big deal somewhere else to be a wide receiver one. We've always talked about with Chris Godwin being in the shadow of Mike Evans, how the team has two number one receivers. Everyone always wants to see Chris Godwin, you know, come in, come to come into his own and be a number one guy for another team. Uh, but instead, he got that tag with the Buccaneers, and now with Tom Brady's restructure, nineteen million dollars slash off their salary cap, we now get a chance to see potentially Chris Godwin even get a long term contract here in the next couple of days with the Buccaneers, which is going to be interesting to keep an eye on. And then some other names, um, you know, Marcus May coming back, team captain, defensive safety for the New York Jets. He got his franchise tag as well. I really hope he gets a long-term deal, um, but I think he'll end up coming next offseason. I think with the one-year franchise tag will be a great opportunity for Marcus May to show out this year with new head coach Robert Sala, a guy who is big on his defenses. I think uh, this is a good chance for Marcus May on that one-year deal to prove himself and prove to his new head coach that he is worthy of a long-term deal uh, going forward as you know the new the new guy on the defense for the New York Jets. Leonard Williams, a guy who put up a ten-plus sack season for the New York Football Giants, he got a franchise tag as well. Another guy that I think can get a long-term deal set up. Due in part because Williams is uh, Leonard Williams' franchise tag has a big hit on it um, for a defensive end this season, and I think that uh, uh, David Gettleman can pretty much uh, work that deal down. I think Gettleman can work that deal down um, with Leonard Williams in order to make that more uh, cap friendly, and you know, give him on a get him on a long term deal. That's 
not as deep and not as hurtful on their cap space as this franchise tag is. So I think a Williams long-term deal is in the works potentially in the next coming next couple of days. Offensive lineman Cam Robinson, he got tagged by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously a good pick. A good pickup back by the Jaguars. Uh, they're going to need all the help they can get on the offensive line for who we assume to be Trevor Lawrence coming in um, as their new quarterback. And then more linemen as uh, more offensive linemen as well. Taylor Moten with the Carolina Panthers. He got his franchise tag. And Brandon Sheriff with the Washington football team got his franchise tag as well. And also Marcus Williams, I think, was an interesting one. Safety for the New Orleans Saints. A guy who I thought potentially could, you know, not be brought back because of, you know, the cap purgatory the New Orleans Saints looked to be in this year. Marcus Williams was a surprise franchise tag, in my opinion. Uh, not by Williams' standpoint, but by the Saints' standpoint. I'm surprised they brought him back um, this season with all they've got, you know, going against them in terms of, of getting down below the salary cap before the start of the season. But I think the most surprising franchise tag that occurred um, before the deadline on Wednesday was Allen Robinson, wide receiver for the Chicago Bears, the last name we haven't talked about that got franchise tagged. And the reason I think this is so surprising is the fact that I don't know why Allen Robinson signed this deal. Why did he sign off on the franchise tag? He was set to be the number one receiver in free agent this year. He was about to get insane interest from multiple teams um, and a chance for the first time in his career to actually have a somewhat capable quarterback throwing him the ball instead of uh, you know what he had with Blake Bortles with the Jacksonville Jaguars, what he had with Mitchell Trubisky with the Chicago Bears. He had a chance to really go out on his own and potentially land somewhere big this offseason. But instead, he's coming back on this one-year deal on the franchise tag with the Chicago Bears. And when it's all said and done this offseason, it could be a good move by the Chicago Bears if they can potentially land a guy like Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, uh, which I think is their number one priority now with Robinson back on board, is finding out who's their quarterback. And I think even even besides Robinson being a potential free agent, quarterback was the number one concern this offseason for the Chicago Bears. And the main reason why is because uh, head coach Matt Nagy and their general manager are on thin ice. They have been given one more year to find a quarterback and get this ship right in Chicago or else they're done. Um, and, you know, the team's going to be moving on from both of them. So what that means is, it's not going to be Marcus Mariota that they can potentially go after. It's not going to be Nick Foles coming in off the bench and leading this team next season. It wasn't going to be Cam Newton, potentially. It's not going to be Alex Smith, a guy they can pick up, or Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the reason why is because none of those guys is going to, are going to get them to the playoffs and get a playoff win. And I think that's what Chicago has to do in order to retain their general manager and Matt Nagy going forward after this season is they got to find a way to get a quarterback that can get them to the playoffs and win in the playoffs because that's what they've been missing for a long time now in Chicago. And, you know, with Russell Wilson still allegedly being on the market right now at quarterback, obviously that's where they're looking at uh, for the Chicago Bears. And I think if they can put something together to potentially get Russell Wilson back 
or get Russell Wilson over to the Chicago Bears. Allen Robinson is going to be a perfect option going forward, um, pairing him up on that offense with Russell Wilson. But if they can't get a deal done with a star quarterback, I think it's time for uh, their general manager to just blow it up and move on before you know he's going to get iced and just do a Bill O'Brien situation. So I think Allen Robinson, without a quarterback trade coming in in the next couple of weeks, I think he's due for a tag-and-trade scenario where Chicago will look to move him to another team because I think the interest will still be there post-free agency uh, for a star number one receiver, especially um, with Allen Robinson's potential that they can have, uh, that other teams could have potentially with their offense. So now let's look at the notable players who weren't tagged. And, you know, these were guys that are now free agents starting on Wednesday and had the opportunity to test the free agent market. And I talked about earlier my bias with being a Green Bay Packers fan. So obviously we're going to begin with the first notable node tag, and that's Aaron Jones, running back for the Green Bay Packers, is now set to become a free agent, and he will gain her a lot of interest and he already is starting to the talks have already started around the league obviously the legal tampering period doesn't begin until monday where teams can officially talk to free agents but aaron jones i think he's finally done as a green bay packer the last i've heard the report said that the packers offered a nine million dollar deal but the average value in free agency right now for aaron jones is 14 to 15 million dollars there's no way he's going to take that much of a pay cut and stay in Green Bay, Wisconsin um, with the Packers. You know Whether or not he would like to run it back with Aaron Rodgers for another chance at a Super Bowl run, I think Aaron Jones deserves his money and should go somewhere. Pretty nice weather, like the Miami Dolphins, potentially in the offseason. So I think Aaron Jones, both for his side and for the Packers' side, is probably the most notable no-tag that we saw on Wednesday whenever the deadline passed at 4 p.m., because now with the Green Bay Packers, they're stuck in an interesting scenario. Obviously, you know, we've got an asterisk with Aaron Rodgers. How long do the Packers still have with him at quarterback going forward? And, you know, they got to make the most out of what they have going forward for these last few years of Aaron Rodgers, of the Aaron Rodgers era with the Green Bay Packers and do whatever they can to potentially get another Super Bowl with their potential Hall of Fame quarterback at the helm. And I don't think losing Aaron Jones helped that at all. You know, the Super Bowl chances for the Packers. That's why I wish the Packers freed up some salary by restructuring Rodgers' contract so they can bring back a guy like Aaron Jones, a dynamic playmaker of their offense who is now walking and in steps uh, rookie running back A.J. Dillon, who is now tasked with leading this offense and being that change of pace and being that dynamic option that can keep defenses honest um, against Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. So I, th- I think it's just head-scratching for the Packers why they couldn't figure something out in order to retain Aaron Jones. But Aaron Jones, I wish him the best. Uh, he's going to go get his $15 million contract and hopefully play in a nice-weather city uh, like the like Miami with the Dolphins. So that's my hope for him going forward in the free agency. Some other notable no-tags. Kenny Galladay, I think, was a big one. Wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. Not because... I thought he would return to the Lions, but the fact that he's going to be a free agent 
this guy is a contested ball machine. You cannot you cannot cover this guy, and he is very underrated in my opinion. And when you look at all the wide receivers in the league, now he gets a chance here to be the guy with Chris Godwin getting a franchise tag, with Allen Robinson getting the franchise tag. Galladay is first and foremost opportunity and interest for every team in the National Football League looking at wide receiver. Kenny Galladay is your guy. He headlines, I think, the entire free agent class right now um, for all positions, really. Just what this guy can do, you know, does not go unnoticed and what he's done with the Detroit Lions. And I think he is going to get one of the largest paydays in the free agent market um, once the league year begins on Wednesday. So Kenny Galladay, I think he's going to get a massive deal. Is he going to go to Miami? Is he going to go to the New York Giants, the New England Patriots? Is he going to go to Baltimore? So many options for Kenny Galladay in free agency. And I think he's, you know, I'm so interested in what happens with him once this new league year begins and once free agency begins. Just because, like I said, he's the guy now at wide receiver that teams need to go after. And I want to see who ends up paying the most to land uh, Kenny Galladay. And then some other notable uh, no tags. Seattle, obviously, they didn't tag running back Chris Carson, another running back now hitting the free agent market, and also didn't tag Shaquille Griffin, uh, their cornerback as well. So Seattle with two more holes now on their team, one at corner and one at running back going forward. They will have Rashad Penny coming back at running back, but will he be enough to carry that workload, especially with head coach Pete Carroll wanting to change the offense, be more balanced, be more run heavy, not let Russell Wilson cook as much. Uh, losing Chris Carson could be a factor into into that philosophy going forward into next season. Um, and then other two notable no tags, two tight ends, Hunter Henry from the Los Angeles Chargers, and Jonu Smith for the Tennessee Titans, I think will get a lot of interest in free agency. Um, Hunter Henry, obviously the most. He's the younger guy. Um, he's the guy that, you know, you look at back at tight end talks over the last two years. You know, Hunter Henry has been heavily linked with the New England Patriots. Every offseason, people are saying that's their ideal trade situation is Hunter Henry going over to the, to the New England Patriots. Now Hunter Henry is officially a free agent and he can sign virtually wherever he pleases. And with the Patriots cap situation right now with the third most cap space in the NFL, I think now is the time for Bill Belichick to go after the guy he's been salivating over the last two years. And for the L.A. Chargers, I don't. I think this is a bad move. I think Hunter Henry should have been tagged. Um, yes, his production's dipped the last couple of years. And, you know, he's been dealing, uh, dealt with some injuries last year. But when he was on the field last year with Justin Herbert, he was that reliable safety blanket for their rookie quarterback. And I think with a rookie quarterback developing throughout his career, having a guy like Hunter Henry, um, in my opinion, would have been very ideal for his continued success with the L.A. Chargers. And Jonu Smith as well, I think a guy that potentially can get a lot of interest at tight end as well. Um, he's put up great seasons the last couple of years, um, especially the last two years and this past season had a very stellar year in that offense with uh, Arthur Smith and the Tennessee Titans. So I think he will also be in line for a big contract now once free agency begins. So those are the two uh, sections I want to talk about here for this you know, second block, just the franchise tag deadline, who, t- who got tagged and who did it. 
and why these you know tags or no tags were important for each team and each player involved. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the second big news of the week, and it was the fact that this week was Massacre Week. So we're going to talk about who got cut and why this past week. We're going to take a quick break here on WSOE 89.3. We're the Slaw Sports Show, and I'm Cole Noble. And we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we are back here now on the Slaw Sports Show, coming in at the final 10 minutes of this week's episode. So, like I said, now we're going to switch over and talk about the Massacre Week cuts uh, that we saw pretty much the entire week. It started on March 9th, was the first start of Massacre Week, where these guys finally started getting the boot uh, from their teams. Um, and the reason, uh, you know, the importance of Massacre Week is the salary cap going down and the new league year starting on Wednesday. Teams got to get below that number, that set magic number at $182.5 million. Teams have to be that have to be below that number by Wednesday um, in order, you know, before the start of the league year. So the Massacres are the, the players who have the big cap hits. And the expendable players, and there's a whole you know charts you can pull up here and there. It's all over Twitter, um, all the charts that are showing what the expendable positions are uh, this season. But the first cut started on March 9th. Um, you know the you know the first three guys that were the big, um, you know actual guys that were the cuts, the big head head headline names: uh, Malcolm Butler, cornerback for the Tennessee Titans. He's gone. Adrian Claiborne, defensive end for the Cleveland Browns. He is gone. Dan Bailey, kicker for the Minnesota Vikings. For the brand, not this year. He's gone. So all these guys on the first day already getting cut. Um, Tennessee now put a hole in at their second cornerback position. Malcolm Butler was their number two corner last year, a guy who was a starter on that defense. Adrian Claiborne. Makes sense with him. Didn't play that much this past season with the um, Cleveland Browns. So I think especially defensive end could be a deep position in the draft this year, um, potentially for the Browns to pursue in the later rounds. And Dan Bailey, an interesting one at kicker for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, but, you know, the past couple of years they've had some issues with their kicker. Uh, so see how they look to address that going forward uh, this offseason. Then we get to the next day, March 10th. More guys gone. John Brown, wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. He's cut. Kawan Alexander. Yes, the New Orleans Saints got him in a trade during the season from the San Francisco 49ers. Dealt with some injuries. Never saw the field with the Saints um, as a linebacker. He's now gone. Saints trying to get below that number, and they are trying very hard right now to shed the cap. You know, Before what we saw in the last couple of days, the Saints were by far had the most cap space in the NFL and were so far over the cap it wasn't even funny. But they're trying to work on that number. Kawan Alexander, he was gone. Emmanuel Sanders, the uh, wide receiver for the Saints, he was also cut on March 10th. So the Saints finally started making some progress to get underneath that number. Tennessee, they pulled out the knife again and they cut Kenny Vaccaro at safety. Two holes now in their secondary. They got holes all over at defensive end. Now they've got holes as well in their secondary. Uh, so Tennessee, they got to try to readjust. I think they also have holes at wide receiver. 
for a playoff team, it's going to be tough to see them fill these holes and come back um, just as strong next season. But we'll continue on with the cuts on March 10th. Kevin Zeitler, offensive lineman for the New York Giants, he was released. A guy who came in via trade, um, the trade that sent Odell Beckham to the Cleveland Browns, the same trade that sent Kevin Zeitler to the New York Giants. But he has been released as well. And then Riley Reef, another offensive lineman for the Minnesota Vikings. He was released. I think he's a young guy that potentially can get a lot of interest when you look at the when you look at the offensive line market this offseason. Riley Reef joining that list now is, you know, a pre a premier player that teams could pursue. And then Kyle Van Noy was the the last one, you know, he got, you know, we knew this news was coming. We heard it days before, but it was official as of March 10th. Kyle Van Noy, a guy who I think was the leader on defense for the Miami Dolphins. He was also cut. Shows how brutal Massacre Week has been. Go to the next day, March 11th. Yesterday, uh, we saw even more cuts. Two big ones to start off the morning. The Kansas, City, the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line took a slash with Eric Fisher, former number one overall pick. He was released. And also Mitchell Schwartz, the other offensive tackle that is supposed to protect Patrick Mahomes, he also got released. Mahomes now, we saw him run around the Super Bowl. I think we'll see him running around even more this season without Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz at offensive tackle to protect his two sides. That's going to be interesting to see how they fill those holes. Tackle, as we all know, is another deep position as well this year in the draft. Do potentially the Kansas City Chiefs try to fill that need in the first round? I think that's starting to look more likely. When we start getting closer here in the next week or two, we're going to be giving Slaw's uh, mock draft 2.0 for the 2021 NFL draft. And I might change it up a little bit and have an offensive lineman or an offensive tackle now going to the Kansas City Chiefs with these two releases. But continuing on with Massacre Week on March 11th, Janoris Jenkins was cut with the New Orleans Saints cornerback. The Saints still trying to get below that magic number. Uh, still got some work to do going forward um, to get that number uh, you know, down to the level they want to before the start of the league year. And then today, fortunately, fortunately, we finally saw not as much massacre going on today on Friday, but there was a release that is, I think, pretty key uh, to look, you know, to look at, and that's going to be Trey Turner, offensive lineman for the LA Chargers. He got cut as well. Uh, massacre week has just been brutal this week, and it's going to keep getting brutal all the way until next Wednesday at 4 o'clock when we finally get the end of all this. But looking at, you know, over the cap right now, looking at the salary caps for the teams, the Saints now have gotten down to $16.8 million, thanks in part to the restructuring of Michael Thomas, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode. Uh, the Saints have gotten down to 16.8. The Rams are now the worst are stuck in the worst cap situation at 33 million over the cap. But Chicago Bears at 18 over, Eagles 17. Buccaneers still sitting at 8.8 over. Still they got to do some work uh potentially if they want to get some other free agents back. Falcons and Packers wrap up the final two teams still over the cap that need to get below before Wednesday. 
And we flip to the other side of the spectrum here for the last two minutes. Jacksonville Jaguars still leading the way with the most cap space in the NFL at $73.669 million in cap space available. The New York Jets have $69.225 million. Patriots, $63 million. And then it dopes down to the Colts at 46. They can bring in potentially a big left tackle that has now been available thanks to Massacre Week to round out their roster. And then we got the Bengals, Washington football team, Chargers, Dolphins, Broncos, and Panthers, all teams that are sitting in the 30 to $40 million range in terms of available salary cap space. So all these teams are going to have a lot to work with once free agency opens next week. And then, of course, the team's still over the cap. More work has to be done, and Massacre Week will continue going in to next going in all the way up to next Wednesday at 4 p.m. But I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of the Slaw Sports Show. That is all the time we have, so we're going to be signing off here uh, for the week. And again, we will see you next week on Friday from 10 to 11 p.m. And again, the Slaw Sports Show is posted Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get a podcast. If you miss any part of the show, it will be uploaded in the morning and you can tune in to that as well. Don't forget Slaw's main card, Pick'em of the Week. We're taking Leon Edwards over Bilal Muhammad by the decision. 4-2 and two record, looking to improve to 5-2 and two tomorrow night. But that's all we have for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed. Check us out on Twitter at Slaw Sports Show. But that's all the time we have. So until next time.